Good morning. You guys can sit down. We're going to sing again in a minute. But I wanted you guys, just before we jump into like the Bible study for this morning at your tables, to kind of actually discuss just for a little bit um, what you guys experienced this week after we went over the blessings and the cursings talk last week. You guys remember? Yes. And about forgiveness and repentance, um, how fear is a spirit. I just want to know that the whole point of why we're going through the Word of God together and in little discussion groups like this is not just to check it off the box and kind of walk out and forget everything that we just talked, learned, uh, you know, spoke about in small groups, but to actually start to apply these things to our lives, even if it's just one step at a time. And the way that we do that is by actually articulating with our words, as I tell my kids, use your words. I cannot read your mind. Um, With our words, with action, with taking steps, because it's not just about hearing the word of God, but it's about also doing the word of God. So um, you're going to have to remember, we're talking about blessings, cursings, anything that you learned, that you applied this week, that you found, that actually changed this week for you. Maybe starting to notice the thoughts that you're thinking. Remember, as a man thinks, so he is. The words that come out of your mouth actually start to tell you what's inside of your heart. Did you start catching things? So circle up and discuss quickly before we go into our next study. Hello. Okay. Good job. You guys are applying. And I just sat, joined a table, and um, we're going to worship again. But uh, one of the things that we were talking about at our table time was about forgiveness and how that's such a game changer and how it needs to come actually deep from within your heart to, you know, we talked about how forgiveness is actually choice. So you have chosen to pick up this offense. You can then choose to put that offense back down at the foot of the cross and let God be the judge. But then how do you let that come from the the deep place of your heart? And um, instead of just, I was like, oh, this is how you do it, because I've had to do it this week. Um, You put that fence down at the cross, and then you start picking up blessing them. I was sitting at this meeting, and I had to start blessing. So instead of focusing on just, I have released and given this offense to you, now you have to fill that back up, that place, because any space begs to be filled. So the next step is you start actually blessing that person. You start praying for them, blessings, and I am telling you, it changes you from the inside out. Any stress or anxiety or like focus that you're feeling like, there's that person and I have to keep putting the offense down because I picked it up again and again and again. Fill that space. Start actually blessing them. I'm telling you, that is the next step. That's the action step to do after you have put that thing down. You start praying over them and I am telling you, and not bad things, you pray good things. (laughs) Not cursings, blessings. And it starts, you, I physically could feel my body change 
in that meeting where it's like, Lord, I know that they, they love you. I know that they're trying. I know that they're saying this. But what their heart wants to say is, Lord, I bless, I pray that you would just bless their words right now. I pray that, da, 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 da. and yours might be like, Lord, I just pray they get saved. Maybe they're not even saved. I pray right now you would bless their family. I pray that you would bring health to them, Lord God. I pray that they would experience your kindness and goodness today. I pray that they would notice you in the sunset today. And you start blessing them. I, am, I guarantee, I promise you, I guarantee it because it's the word of God that it will start to actually change you from the inside out and it will release you in that next step once you've laid that thing down. So let's, let's stand and we'll finish and, and worship right now. I did have a lot of people, um, you know, passing last week's message because it's such a great foundational message about taking that territory, taking that land, destiny, stopping things in your generations, the power of forgiveness and repentance. I mean, giants in your land, what those are, how to identify them. I mean, it's like a lot packed into one. And so I had a lot of women saying, I sent this to all of my kids. Um, I made my husband listen to it. (laughs) And I'm like, you know, boyfriends listen to it, all sorts of things. And, you know, is it on podcasts? I just got that question. Yes, you can, you know, it's on a podcast. But um, the way, you know, it's like, well, how do you, you know, be like, you really need to listen to this, but don't say you really need to listen to this. Because I'm always like, help me, help you, help me. Like, if you learn these things, it makes my life better, right? When, when other people are applying the Word of God to their own life, <laughs> it's a blessing for you. Um, so I, it's always just like, hey, I listened to this. It was really interesting. Tell me what you think. And you leave it like that. So it's not like you're saying, you need this. It's just, tell me what you think. I, you know, did it, I want to discuss it with you afterwards. So... That's just a little, a little tidbit, a little hint for how to, how to do that graciously so people actually do listen and hopefully get set free. And I hope you guys are starting to apply those things to your lives. Um, I tell you that when I really started understanding those, those things in that message, um, Sean radically noticed a distinctive change in me in the way that we communicated and the way that I saw. Like, I, I mean, it was... It it literally was a game changer. He could tell you a testimony of, I remember when Annie was applying those things that we were, you know, we just, I engaged him in a totally different way. (laughs) Um, So yes, uh, anyway, it is is a game changer. And we are in the book of Judges. Did you guys read Judges? (gasps) Oh my goodness. Lord, we need you. We need you. We need you. We need... um, You know, just that song was saying, I want to see your face. I want to hear your voice. I want to touch you. And sometimes it seems such a weird thing to say because you're God and your spirit. Um, But you are actually, you want to be tangible to your kids. If you're not tangible, you know, uh, then how how do we relate to you? You make yourself relatable to your your kids. And and you do. You You let us... Actually, feel your presence, Lord God, and feel your peace, as Jesse was saying, um, just came in and filled the room a minute ago um, by the power of your spirit. Lord, we, we can hear, actually, your voice in, in the, the scriptures, Lord God. 
we, we can hear your, your tone of love and kindness, Lord, and, and um, we, we, can, we can actually see your face, Lord God, um, whether it be an acts of kindness or wisdom that comes from someone, a worship song, and we start to, to see the scenes in heaven, we're supposed to actually be in a relationship with the living God. Um, and so you must be tangible to us in that way. We, we, need, we need that, Lord, as your kids. And you so graciously and in your kindness, you come near to us and, and you, you show us who you are step by step, piece by piece, wisdom, what to do, love, healing, truth that sets us free, Lord God. And so we just, we glorify you. We thank you. We praise you. We want to meet you um, in the study today. Um, call us out of our caves, Lord God. Um, I just saw a picture this morning in, in prayer before of, of you speaking to each and every one of us, and in a, in a place where we find ourselves to be in a cave, you call us out by name, you call out our true identity, and you take that first step in front of us, and you turn around, you reach your hand out and say, follow me. Follow me in the strength that you have. Follow me. And so, Lord, let every woman say yes in their heart now as you open and unpack what that is in their own life, that you will meet them there in that cave and you will look at them and you call them by name and you step ahead of them and turn to reach so that they would take that first step following you. So we just ask that by the power of your Holy Spirit that we would all embark on that journey together here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So um, if you, okay, I wrote this message like five times because it's so crazy and there's so much in there. Um, obviously, we are not going to cover everything, but it's like, Lord, which way do you want to go? Do you want to, and I have them all in here. And so, um, so here we go. Uh, if you started with us, um, is this the one that I want to do? Oh, I think this might be my third message that I started on. Oh, yeah, it is. This is, the, this is the first one. You guys don't get that one. That's not the right one. So, okay, some of the highlights of this soap opera book. I mean, it's got military exploits. It's got, you know, intrigue. It has gruesome warfare. It's graphic. It is nitty-gritty. It's everything on Netflix, but it's in the Word of God. It's super crazy, um, and God doesn't leave anything out. But here's some of the highlights. We read how Ehud goes to visit the king there in his summer palace, and he has his knife hidden on his thigh. Do you guys remember this story? And he pulls it out and actually sticks it in between the fifth and the sixth rib of this king. And how he is so fat that he, I mean, it's huge, that when he puts the, the sword into the side of, of this king, he literally had to leave it there because the fat rolled around and his hand came out and how he died there. 
Then remember how, I mean, it goes into how he's locked in his chamber. And so they think because there's a latrine in there, maybe the king is just taking a long time on the bathroom when actually he was lying there dead because there was a knife in his side in all of his fat stomach. Um, That was one of the stories. Or we read about J.L. Guys, remember J.L.? Wow. Come into my tent. She literally drives a tent stake through the skull of the Sisera, the, the king of Sisera, and pins him to the ground with the tent peg, like with the hammer. And sorry, he wasn't the king of Sisera. His name is Sisera. And she's like, yes, lay in the tent. Take a break from the battle as you're running from them. You may rest. I won't tell anyone that you're here. Here's some warm milk. I mean, literally gives them warm milk. He sleeps, and she takes the tent peg, whack, through his head. It's in the Bible. Our hearts break, break. I mean, it gets gruesome. It is graphic. There is horrible stories, tragedies in this book um, called Judges. When Jephthah's daughter, remember, she comes out to meet her father who has just returned from battle. He has won great victories. And this man, because even though he was an Israelite, was so far from knowing who God is, who gave him the victory, and what this God is like. He is more familiar with the gods of the Canaanites, so he makes a horrible, stupid vow that the lower gods, the, the, the you know, lowercase g gods, the demons of the Canaanite world, they would make you make vows like that. You will sacrifice your child to me. God never asked nor wanted, but because he was more familiar with those gods and the Canaanite gods, He makes a vow like that to the one true living God. She comes running out, and literally her life was given as that first person because of his stupid vow, because he didn't know what his God was like after victory, and she is actually slain. Then we have the story of Samson. I mean, you have these judges that the Lord would give to the the children of Israel, and it's not like a judge like with the black coat and sitting in a courtroom. It's more like, you know, military leaders and and things like that. Samson was one of those, and this goes towards the end of the book, and it shows that God, even though he does not condone uh, the behavior or the, the choices of the people that you see in this book, but he is still faithful even when his people are faithless. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for that truth, that you are true to what your word is. He was true to the commitment and the covenant that he had made to his chosen people, Israel. So he uses what he has. And then you'll see the spirit of the Lord come on these judges. But then literally you'll see them make these character choices and God does not condone those things, but he will use the vessels that he has because of his faithfulness to his people. And we see one of the things that's not in here that literally I like, I drop to my knees because this book, people will be like, don't read it. Don't study it. It's, it's horrible. It's awful. It's disgusting. It's vile. It's the worst of humanity. It's yes. Do you hear me? It is the worst of humanity. And we'll see why the book of Judges is very necessary. But, but what I, I wanted to go through this line, and it's one of my other messages, and I'm not supposed to say it right now because I'm wasting too much time, but it's important. It literally dropped me to my knees in my hallway, and I started crying because you could see the plan of Satan 
from the very beginning. And each little place that the Lord would give the next part of his redemption story, the plan to save humanity from himself and from Satan and his kingdom of darkness, the enemy would come in like a flood to whatever little piece as it was revealed through time. And even in this story, if you follow it all the way through, at the end, it leads to, and the people had no king, and the Lord God is saying, I'm bringing you a king, that David is coming. The next book is the book of Ruth. It is the story of the kinsman redeemer. It is a total revelation picture of who the Messiah, the true king is, that, that, that is coming on the scene for them, that has come on the scene for us, Jesus who would save them, who would love them, who is going to be our king and our husband. And literally, I mean, it's, it's beautiful. And so you see the depravity of man. You see the deception and the wickedness of Satan and his kingdom of darkness. And I fell to my knees because I saw the grace and the mercy of God in the midst of this. Like, do you get it? We don't deserve. This is what we deserve. This is who we are without him. So bear with the story. I mean, it's pretty amazing because in the end, it points to Jesus and his grace and his love and his forgiveness and his repentance that he gives to us so that we might be restored into his image and his likeness like we were meant to be. So judges is necessary. The story in judges is it's necessary. We have the story of Samson and how God gives him supernatural strength to fight the Israelites. And it's bloody. And it ends with his eyes gouged out because of his literally sin and how he compromises over and over again. And how God still gave him strength to be a judge in Israel and defend God's people from the Philistines who were horrible and, 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 and putting the people back in bondage and slavery. And yet here it ends with him literally telling his secret of his strength about his hair as he literally sleeps with the enemy. And the story ends with him between the two pillars and his hair had grown out. And all the Philistines are there and they're mocking the God of Samson. They're mocking Samson himself. And he goes, Lord, it's just with this last bit of strength. Like, and he, boom, he takes the pillars out. And it's like this murderous scene, and he kills, I think, thousands of Philistines there. And that's kind of where one of the stories ends. The most horrific and revulsive story is the one of the Benjamites and the perversion at the end. I mean, it just gets all sorts of wicked and stupid if you actually read the story. Um, and that's the last, uh, that, you know, that, that's uh, the whole picture there. Um, and how it kind of ends, but it, it's, it's bringing us to the story of Ruth. So we're going to get there. Um, our, our last book, the book of Joshua, it closed, listen, with a nation resting from war and enjoying the promised land. They had entered in, they're resting, and uh, they're enjoying it. The book of Judges actually sees the nation and it's suffering from invasion, from slavery, from poverty, from civil war, and you're like, what happened? Because all of this, remember, is for us to learn from. All of this has a spiritual lens that we need to actually apply to our own lives and are relevant to you and I today. So here's what happened. After the boundary lines for the 12 tribes had been drawn, the people, listen, they did not fully 
claim their inheritance by defeating and kicking out the inhabitants of the land as God had said. And it goes through that. Like it starts, it goes, I was like, Lord, do I just start here? Can I just be done? I think it's the second chapter of Judges and it just goes over and they did not kick out all of these. And this tribe did not kick out all of the, and this tribe did not kick out of all of these inhabitants. You remember? Not fully claiming their inheritance, not fully kicking out the inhabitants that were there in the land, those giants in the land. Remember, we talked about it last week. The people of Israel would fall into sin. They would fall into idol worship, and then they would completely turn away from God. And this leads to oppression. It leads to bondage. It leads to their enemies coming in like a flood. And then what would happen, here's the cycle. Oh, God, help, help, help. They would cry out for help. And God, because he is gracious and because he is merciful, yes, even in the Old Testament, right? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, who is full of grace and who is full of mercy, he would raise up a deliverer or a judge to help them. Then not long after their deliverance, what would they do? Pattern, again, fall back into sin. False worship, the cycle repeats, I want to take a little bit of a closer look, though, um, at one particular story that just kept pulling me. Like, I tried to write a message without this story in it, and the Lord said, no, this is the message. So here is our cave story that the Lord said he wants to bring each and every one of us, quite literally, out of a cave that we've set ourselves in. And here's that story um, and that application for our lives. Judges 6.1 starts with, and the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. The children of Israel. So God sees everything. He knows everything. Nothing is, is, you know, you don't do anything in secret. And about 200 years have passed since Joshua first led the people of God into the promised land. And as I said before, the people have failed to obey the Lord fully. Do you hear me? Failed to obey the Lord fully. How can I apply this to my life? Failed to obey the Lord fully fully, because they failed to totally drive out the pagan people of Palestine. They allowed pockets, just little pockets, of Canaanites to remain in the land, and the Canaanites regained strength. I would write this down. Nothing stays static. If you are not moving forward, the enemy is. Nothing stays static. There's no time in life where you just do this and, and something else isn't moving around. Like I told you before, I mean, the whole thing about the the forgiveness, you set something down, now there is a space where you are holding an offense and and unforgiveness or bitterness or anger or wrath or malice or all those things we talked about last week, and you've set them down now, and now you need to fill them. You need to, so when there's a space, it begs to be filled. And if you're not advancing in the things of the Lord and you're leaving a pocket It's like a disease that's in remission, and you've got some cells over here that are just waiting to spring up again. And the Lord said, kill it. Kill it all. Don't let any pockets stay. So the Israelites, listen, they eventually become like animals. They literally, do you understand that God, wherever the gospel goes, it elevates, it lifts, it educates, it it brings you literally out of poverty. It brings you out of destitution. It brings you out of uh, quite literally being like an animal. And we don't have any more than a graphic picture right here. They're hiding underground in caves at this point. The Israelites, for real. Get that in your head. Humiliated, terrified, 
Judges 6, 6, and the children of Israel cried unto the Lord. Do you know how long it took for them to cry out to the Lord in this particular story? Because we're spanning about 450 years in the book of Judges. Seven years of hiding it. Who wants to go live in a cave? You know, maybe one interesting person in this room would want to do it for a night. I don't know, maybe with your kids or something. Um, Go spelunking or something. But seven years. It took them seven years of the enemies of God's people literally persecuting them, freaking them out so much that they have to go and they run into that, they hide in the caves to be sick and tired of living that way where they're doing it on their own. They're doing it in their own strength. They're doing it in their own wisdom. And finally, after seven years of living like an animal, they came to themselves and cry out to God. Finally, broken, they cry out to him for help. Note to self, you know, when, 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 how long is it going to take for you and I for that particular situation to get so desperate and so sick of the enemy, so tired of living in a cave, so tired of living in fear and in anxiety, and, and not living to the full potential of what you know because of the word of God, what, what you're supposed to be living like and where you're supposed, in the light, you know, not in the darkness, hiding and shrinking away. Um, how long will it take for us to be in that broken place? And when, listen, when you do get to that place of total desperation, the Lord answers. He always responds to that kind of cry. He will not leave you in that place. He will not abandon you. He will not forsake you ever. He always responds to that real desperation, brokenness, and cry of his kids because he is a good father. But it took seven years living in caves before they actually sincerely, intensely cried out to God. You know, a a lot of times, oh, God, I'm going to get in a car accident. Ah! And, you know, and then it's like, oh, wow, Lord, you spared me in that accident. They didn't hit me. And you're like, all right, got this. And you you go back and you, that's not a sincere, broken cry that is desperate for God to move and change in your life. So the story continues with Gideon, this man, he's one of the Israelites, and he's threshing wheat inside of a cave, like all the rest of the Israelites. And it, but he's threshing wheat. So it's funny. We don't understand this now. But um, that, so the wine press is where he was. And the wine press would be the lowest place because they want, you know, the wine to trickle down, the whole thing. And where you would thresh wheat, you know, to separate it, the wheat from the chaff, is you would do it on a hilltop where the wind is so that it could separate you know, the chaff that's only good for burning and let the heavier part, the wheat, fall to the ground. But you do that on the top of a hill where the wind is, okay? But here Gideon is doing this in the wine press. He's probably, you know, it's not working very well because he's hiding. He's hiding down there um, from the Midianites. And the Midianites would sweep in I mean, they were really genius. They, they had their chariots, their camels, and it's like they said they were like locusts. And as soon as the Israelites would harvest food or they've got their grain, then the Midianites would wait for them to do all the work, and then they would roll in and they would take it all and say, thank you very much, and leave the Israelites with nothing. Go back to your cave until we need you to work again. So uh, that, that's what was happening here. Judges 6.12 says... 
And the angel of the Lord appeared to him, to Gideon, and said, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. You mighty man. Gideon is hiding from the Midianites. And the Lord calls him and says, Mighty man of valor. So, what is going on here? The Lord sees in Gideon, and I want you to hear this, he sees in you, and he sees in me. Praise the Lord, not all of my problems, not all of your problems. He doesn't see your failures, your broken parts, your past, what others see or say about you. No. When he looks at you, And he calls you by who you really are. What he's doing is he says, I see you perfected. I see you in your glorified state. He sees what you will be and who you are in the future. Because our God is not bound by time. He's outside of time. So from the beginning to the end, he knows all things. So he is the only one who actually can say who you are. He actually made you. You're fathered by him. He saw you in your mother's womb um, and all your inward parts. Remember, you're supposed to go over Psalm 139 if you are well acquainted with that spirit of self-hate. Um, you know, so I hope you guys did that for your homework. Knows you in, in the inward parts when you were being fashioned. Um, and he speaks to us. He speaks to you. And he calls you out and he says, you are chosen you are predestined, you are the very elect of God, you are my child, and he speaks to the very core of who you actually are. He says, Gideon, you mighty man of valor, you mighty man of valor, while circumstances, outside circumstances, speak directly to the opposite of that, okay? And here, here is Gideon's response to that statement right here. And Gideon said to him, Oh, my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all of this befallen us? And where are all his miracles that our father told us of, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. You guys, he's speaking to Jesus, a pre-incarnate like, manifestation of Jesus Christ. He's talking to Jesus, and do you hear... Why? Where? Forsaken by God. Do you hear those? Do you guys sometimes? Why? Where? Forsaken by you, God. You know, we do this all the time, you guys. And, and the one that he's saying this to is the Lord. He's speaking this to the Lord. He's not realizing it yet. He's telling this to Jesus himself. And listen to how he responds. And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in thy might. Go in thy might. So there's that picture that the Lord gave me this morning for you and I, is we're in that cave, and I want you to picture what your cave is, that you're hiding and you're terrified and you've got that, you know, the Midianites are coming, ah, and you're, you know, acting like an animal in a certain part of your life, and you're cowarding, and then the Lord meets you in the cave, and he's going, you, mighty man of valor. And, and, and here he says, he goes, go in thy might. So there's just that one step. Remember how the the Lord starts opening up and bringing us wisdom. And and all of a sudden, I have watched over the years that when you start to give these messages, sometimes Satan's lie will be to overwhelm people 
when they start to understand blessings and cursings and forgiveness and repentance and giants in the land, and then they go, it's too much. And they just get completely overwhelmed, and they just go, I'll just stay in the cave. So here you, go, you have, it's one step. Like, that's what I saw the Lord doing. He's reaching out, he's speaking to each and every one of us, and he's going like this, and it's like, go in thy might. One step, one step. And thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent thee? It's Judges 6.14. Listen to this. Jesus did not answer Gideon's questions. Why? Where? Forsaken. He didn't answer those questions. Sometimes he doesn't answer you directly what you want to know. And I tell, I've done this before where I go, if you have a real genuine question in your heart and you bring it in honesty to the Lord and you're seeking him for the answer, he will satisfy the longing of that question in your heart. But it doesn't mean that he's going to answer your exact question because he knows what you need and he knows what you're really asking. And you don't really know what you're asking. You don't even know what you're really searching for. But when you come to him that way, he always will give you what you're actually looking for. He gives you the answer, but maybe not to the way that you want it. So you have to be open. Why? Where? Jesus didn't answer Gideon's questions like that. Instead, this is what he does. He gives him a commission. Why? Where? Forsaken. When actually the Lord just being there in his presence is actually a miracle. There's the God of his forefathers who broke him out of Egypt. And it's where I'm right here, Gideon. I'm here. The one that you're actually saying, where are you? I'm talking to you right now, and you can't even see me. And he commissions him, Judges 6, 15 through 16. And he said to him, oh, my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in all of my father's house. And the Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with thee, and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. So there's the word, I, I circle poor and least. I mean, he's just, he's just complaining and focusing. Look at, look at the situation. You're hiding in a cave. You're hiding out of fear because of your enemies. And this is the funny part, too. Why were the Midianites there and allowed to be there? Why was the Lord allowing this to happen? Because they had chosen it. Do do you understand? By not actually kicking out the Midianites when they were supposed to? You want to be friends and neighbors? You want to make peace deals with them? You want to intermarry with them? Go right ahead because I won't make you walk in blessing. I won't make you do anything. Love always has a choice. I want you to be in relationship with me, daughter. I'm not going to force you to do anything. You want to be friends with the Midianites? You, want to, you think you can control this situation? You got this? You can handle this? Go right ahead. I will not force myself on you. You get to choose. And this is what they have chosen. So you cry, you cry out for help. You're living in caves for fear. And, and then, having everything robbed by your enemies, you finally say, I don't want to live like this anymore. Help, God, I need you. And then he shows up and he answers your sincere, broken hearts cry because he's so good and he's near to the brokenhearted. Finally, you are done doing it your own way. 
and you surrender and you are honest with your need and your lack and your want and he shows up and you're talking to him face to face and because you've been so far from him and you have forgotten who he is and who you are, you don't even recognize that the one that you're having a conversation with is the one that you're crying out to and he is right there in your face speaking to you. Where is God? Why would God allow this? He's like, you've allowed this, and I'm right here. And he says this to you and to me too. And he calls you out by your true identity, and he speaks to your spirit man, and he says, mighty woman of valor, mighty woman of valor. Whatever it is your cave is, he calls, he meets you in the cave. He goes into the dark places. He's not afraid to go. Where can I go from your spirit? Even if I go into Sheol, this picture of hell, David says, lo, there you are also. There is no place that you can go, no pit, no cave, no darkness. It's so dark that he can't go still. And he meets you there and he speaks to your true identity. And he says, mighty woman of valor. And we say like Gideon to the Lord himself, if he chose me, and God is with me, why is it crazy horrible around me? And where are all the miracles? <laughs> Remember, the one that he's saying this to is God. Is it not just a miracle that God knows you by name? Let's just start there. Is it not just a miracle that after we refuse him and we get into these situations on our own because we can say we got it, we handle it, we, we can be friends with these, you know, uh, giants in our land, make friends with them, wrestle up next to, you know, sleep, good night. And, and then he comes and he's there as soon as you cry out. Is that not a miracle right there? I mean, what? What are we thinking? But we, this is our story. This is us. This is me. Remember, that's the Lord himself speaking to him. And the Lord tells you what to do. He says, mighty woman of valor, you are commissioned today. And you go, what am I commissioned to do? I mean, go save Israel. That was, you know, that's Gideon's commission. We all have our own individual commission, but it all really does look and sound something like this. Go love that person today. That person, right there. That person. Go pray for that person, right? That Pray for that person. Um, go, go help that person over here. Go have compassion on the one that's right in front of you. Uh, today, we're going to work on forgiveness, Annie. Yeah, you need to forgive that person. I commission you, mighty woman of valor. You're commissioned. How am I going to save Israel? How can this happen, God? Blah, 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 blah. I'm the least in all of the... Oh my, blah, blah. And we complain and complain and worry and excuse and excuse and questions and questions. Gideon asks, listen to what he says, who am I? <laughs> so it started out with like, you know, where is God and why has he forsaken us? And then he's like, I'm right here and I'm going to call you to go and actually do something about your heart's cry. Oh, who am I? I mean, it just, it's like, do you see it? It's comical. Wrong question. Listen, when you, if you're sitting there and, you know, you're like, don't look at me, teacher, and point at me, you know, mighty woman of valor, mighty woman of valor, mighty woman of valor, eye contact. 
you know, uh, and, and you're going, who am I? Who am I? Wrong question. Wrong focus. Listen to what the Lord says. The Lord says, not who are you, but who am I? Who am I? For I will be with you. And that's all you need to know. That's all you need to understand. That's all you need to believe. That is what you need to think on. Follow me. Who, the one that is leading you. Who am I, mighty woman of valor? Who then speaks over you and then take that first step. That's the first step. Start claiming who God is. It's a total shift. See, Gideon felt like we all do. Unqualified, fearful, timid, uncertain, unsure, the least of all, forsaken, forgotten, in a cave, unimportant, fearful, you know, all those kinds of things. Because he didn't see God. He was focused on himself. Who are you focused on? He was focused on himself. And he was focused on the enemy. Are you focused on your enemy? Are you looking at your giants? He was, literally, he was looking at the absence of God and thinking about the absence of God when God was right there talking to him face to face. And there you go, downward, downward, downward into that cave. Who am I? Where is God? And it just, it's this circular pattern that brings you deeper and darker into the pit. So these are the steps to practically take to come out of that. In verse 22, Gideon perceives, and he he realizes, I've been with the angel of the Lord, Jesus. He says, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. And then he starts freaking out that he's going to die because he can't see the face of God and you're going to die. So he's scared. (laughs) So it's really, well, it's funny because he's scared because he doesn't see the Lord. Have you ever done that before? You're like, where are you? And then he's like, hello. And you're like, ah, he's here. (laughs) And now you're scared because he's here. Judges 6, uh, 23 through 24, and the Lord said to him, peace be unto you. Fear not. Thou shalt not die. Now remember, sometimes that is what we are looking for in a day. The day has a lot in it. And the goal is, I'm alive. Sometimes that's enough. I am alive. Have you ever been able to say that? When, when my mom went through surgery, we were like, we're alive. Woohoo! Sometimes that's enough. Sometimes when I have small kids, it's, I'm alive. Thank you, God, you know. You shall not die. So Gideon then builds an altar there to the Lord. Um, and, and, and Gideon right here is actually an altered man. Get that little play on words right there. An altered man um, because he saw the Lord and he called it Jehovah Shalom. So after seeing the Lord, Gideon was altered and he literally builds an altar there, um, which is an act of you know, like worship to the Lord. So all of a sudden, when he realized, and look how good the Lord is, he waited for him to get it. Like, he wasn't like, you're so dumb. I mean, if I was, that's what I would say. (laughs) Hello. But God is patient. He's so kind. He's so good with each and every one of us right where we're at, whatever that cave is, and however long it takes you to figure it out. And he's like, I'm right here. I'm here. Uh, I've been here all along. Um, and he sees, he sees the Lord. And when he sees the Lord, it changes 
who Gideon is. It changes everything about him. And he builds this altar, and he realizes Jehovah Shalom, which means the Lord, the God of peace, is here. And all of a sudden, so listen, every day you and I can look at the world around us. We can look at our home or our country, um, our place of work. Our, our hearts are troubled. We're filled with anxiety. We're filled with fear. But the Lord wants you and I to know that he sees you in your cave, whatever that cave is. He hears your cry for help. He knows exactly who you are and what you're struggling with right now, but he knows who you are becoming. Um, he knows his love for you and that it's stronger still than anything that you're facing, even the lies that you believe he can cut through those. As soon as you just see his face, that he will start to bring that peace in to you, where all of a sudden it's not about the cave anymore, it's not about the giants and the forsaken and the Midianites and the, you know, all those things. It was boom, and he's on, he's worshiping the Lord. He builds an altar to the Lord. It changed him from the inside out, and he felt the very peace of God. And he invites you and me to meet with him face to face. He has things for you to do. He wants to change your perspective. He wants to call and mine out your destiny and real identity out of the cave and out of the darkness and out of the fear and all the other things. And he wants to refocus you as you see who he really is. And and that then is the only way that you will know who you are. That's how it starts. You see him for who he really is and how present and near and face to face. And then it changes you. Then you start to see things differently. You feel different. You literally, that tangible presence of the Lord that we were talking about in that worship song and then was prayed over, he wants us to tangibly actually be able to feel and experience him. And he invites us to meet him face to face and to realize that he is there and he always has been, that he is with you and you can choose to be altered and experience Jehovah Shalom in your heart. And it changes your perspective it, it settles the mind that is wandering. Um, as you allow him to be king and not do what is right in your own eyes like everyone else. See, that was a phrase that came up over and over again. There was no king in Israel. There was no king in Israel. And everyone did what was right in his own eyes. That's why Gideon was in the cave, because they had chose to do what was right in their own eyes and not kick out all the inhabitants. Gideon was hiding in the caves, but he's heard, he's seen, he's called out by God to his true identity. And literally, God leads him to be the one, the judge who would bring them into victory. Listen, that, that fearful man that God calls out, a mighty man of valor, if you follow his story, one of the parts of his story is he cuts his army from 32,000 Israelites to go against this massive army. And the Lord whittles it down to 300 men. And they go, and do you know why he did that? Because he goes, you men will take the credit. Gideon, you'll say it's because, you know, you did it on your own. Apart from me, these men will say that they are mighty men of valor without me in their lives intervening and present and moving things on their behalf. 
And so he goes, we're going to make it so it's insurmountable odds. We'll cut it down. And then I will show myself strong on your behalf by miraculously providing victory with only 300. And they had torches and clay pots. Now, you know that's God, right? But that would be some of his story. Gideon doesn't actually end well, but that's the cycle of Judges. This book, Judges, shows the cost of compromise and sin. People think God is mean and he just wants to keep me from having fun and doing fun things. Um, this is not true. Uh, this, this whole story is 450 years of the children of Israel doing it right in their own eyes. And now you come to the world that we live in today. The world is doing it how they seem fit, what is right in their own eyes right now. Relativism, uh, you know, have you heard my truth and your truth? What's your truth? No, you don't get your own truth. This is, they're true. It's true. It's not true. No, they're, they're, this is the world that we live in. You know, you can choose if you want to be a boy or a girl. You can choose if you want to be married to a boy or a girl. You can be a we instead of an I, even though I'm clearly I, me, one person. No, we, we, that's a thing. That's, it's, I'm telling you, it's gone cuckoo. You know, people are fighting to marry robots or chickens. I mean, it's like, but look at it's going to the very core of your identity and who you are made in the image and likeness of God. It's debasing us. It's, it's dumbing us down. It's putting us in bondage and slavery. You have a right to your own body. You can terminate that, um, but they don't call it a baby, uh, what do they say? Fetus, right. See, I don't even know the word. <laughs> what do they say? Yeah. You know, this, every life is, is sanctified by God and precious and whole. I mean, do you see, like, there's, we don't get to, when we, we are where we are because we are living in the book of Judges, right? Yes, okay. Um, they didn't obey God. They didn't kick out all the Canaanites. They soon became just like their enemies in their thinking in their practices, in their worship of their idols, and they became sick and infected with it. So you look at the book of Judges and you go, disgusting, vile, horrible, wretched people. Horrible, hor- deplorable, you know? Um, and, and we see from, listen, from the beginning of the book, the complete degradation of women. If you read this book, you start with Deborah, who is amazing. She's one of the judges that God lifts up. For Israel, and she is this like military might, and, and the men are afraid. I won't go to war unless you go with me, Deborah. She's like, all right, but I'm gonna, you know, God, God saves Israel by a woman today, you know, because you can't go without me. And she goes, and there's this mighty victory. That's at the beginning of the book. Go 450 years, and you end with the concubine story, where she is raped until she actually dies. It's vile. But see, this is what sin costs. See, sin pays. So when you say, oh, God doesn't want me to have fun, it's not that bad. It's just a little bit of death. It's just a little bit of poison. It, 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 it vexes, and, and it, sin pays, and it equals death. So the Lord is crying out and telling us, choose life. Those two phrases again and again, there is no king in Israel, and they did what was right in their own eyes. God is the only one who decides what is right and wrong for you and I, and he is the king. You do have a king. The entire book is to warn us. 
Israel's descent into self-destruction as a result from turning away from a God who loves them and saves them out of slavery in Egypt. And now Israel needs to be delivered again, only this time from themselves. So, Heavenly Father, we just thank you and we praise you for your, your grace. I, I, you know, it's easy to be like, we won't look at this. It's too ugly. It's too sad. It's too depraved. It's too gross. But that is what sin is. That is what we do to ourselves when we are left on our own. But Lord, thank God you don't leave us in those caves. You call us out by name. You remind us who we are. You speak to every woman in this room. You are a mighty woman of valor. Go in the strength you have. I will. I am. I'm showing you. I'm leading you. And we take that first step out of the cave. I pray that, Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit, that every person in this room would be uh, clearly seeing what that cave is and that place that they're hidden, timidity and fear, anxiety, any of those things, Lord God, where they are um, broken in their image of, of who you are. I pray that they would know that you are near, that you are face to face with them. And, and that you're not um, ashamed of them, but you come close, you draw near to the brokenhearted, and you give them strength, and you give us the, the action step to take, where it's not overwhelming. You provide everything for us. You don't make us do it by ourselves. Um, and and that, that every woman in here would courageously take that step following after you, Lord God, out of that cave, into the light, into their destiny, into their portion, into their true identity, into a love relationship that they would say, you are king, and that I will not do what is right in my own eyes, but what you say is right because you are truth. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Um, So I have on your tables, God is good, um, those little love cards, God loves you. Let's take an action step, and everybody actually Give one to someone this week and then testify next week how that worked out. It can be, you know, I paid for your coffee. Here's a little, you know, God loves you kind of a thing. It's little acts of kindness that you do. One, one step, one thing. Come out of your cave. You are commissioned, each and every one of us. God bless you.